I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Football Digest podcast. This week we are joined by Mirror Football columnist and former Premier League midfielder Robbie Savage as he runs it all over his former club Manchester United, looks at whether Tottenham Hotspur are genuine title contenders, and the impact Kevin De Bruyne is likely to have on Manchester City's title charge. He's joined by Darren Lewis, John Cross and Andy Dunn. Robbie, Manchester United to Spurs 2. And as far as Spurs are concerned, is that a well-earned point? Or from your point of view, was that maybe an opportunity to take advantage of an ailing Manchester United missed? Oh, I think will Spurs be disappointed, you know, to come away with a point against a mid-table team? I think that that was the big question. Um, You know, Manchester United... You know, the identity, we all we all talk about the identity. And one thing I love about Spurs with Big Ange as manager, they've got, what, five or six starters out of the team, but every single player that goes into that team knows exactly what they're doing. They know the patterns of play, they know the rotations. You know, you could literally put any single player into that team and they know what they're doing. Contrast that with Manchester United. I don't know what Manchester United's identity is. So I think Spurs will be disappointed. I understand Ericsson playing in the middle of the park. I think he wanted to control the game, but the possession stats in Spurs' favour with chances created as well. It's a point at Old Trafford, but a point at Old Trafford now is not like a point at Old Trafford when I used to be in the Premier League. You knew if you were going to Old Trafford, you'd be on the back foot. You know, they would not stop. Listen, they had a chance to win at the end, Manchester United, but a point at Old Trafford now is completely different to a point in the Premier League when I when I played. So, do, do you think the Spurs, they played so well, didn't they? Are they genuine title contenders? Can they win the title? Big Ange no. seems to think so, but no. No, I, listen, I think it's refreshing that Big Ange says they can win it. You know, a lot of managers have the cliched answer, next, take the next game as it comes. No, we can't. But I think it's a great answer and that shows his confidence. But I think it's only two teams come in the Premier League this season, Man City, Liverpool. I think Spurs, with their injuries, Van der Ven being back was a huge plus. Um, but when you're missing the quality of players they are, um, at this minute in time, I think it'd be too late by to get them all back as a as a collective. So I don't think Spurs can win it. I think the reason why I say Liverpool and Man City, because both those managers have been the distance in the Premier League. So I think it's a two-horse race. 
so I, I, I saw Man City on um, Saturday up at St James Park, you know, and it was a great win for them. And I'm sure we'll go on to talk later about De Bruyne, about the way they won. But I just want to ask you about Newcastle. What, what's sort of gone under the radar a little bit is that's four defeats on the spin in the Premier League. I think it's six out of seven they've lost, conceding a lot of goals. You know, four to Liverpool, three to City, three to Forest. I mean, do you think Eddie Howe's under any sort of pressure? It shouldn't be, um, but with the magnitude of the club now, one of the biggest, you know, richest clubs in the world, of course. It's about results. I think, you know, yourself, Crossy and Darren know exactly that, that the business we're in is about results. But I think it's harsh. I think they overachieved last season. They're ahead of the curve. Nobody thought Newcastle United would be in the Champions League um, when they started the season last year. They were unlucky in the group. They've had... Countless injuries, and a lot of people are saying about their injuries, but Newcastle, they have had their, a, a shocking amount of injuries. So if Newcastle hadn't finished in, as done as well as last season, I don't think Eddie Howe would be under the same amount of pressure he is now. I think basically they're ahead of the curve. You know, you look at their recruitment, you look at the players they've brought in, you know, they've got, they've got some fantastic players. But, of course, um, Andy, you'll be under pressure because now the spotlight the magnitude of the club, the fan base, but, you know, the radio show I do, um, Newcastle fans are, are still behind Eddie Howe, and that is a huge thing. When you've got the fans still behind you and you've got the players behind you, um, that's, that's a huge positive. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sav, I must just ask you about something I'm going to ask the chaps as well. Uh, Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne, 24 minutes, a man of the match performance in my opinion. Can you remember another substitute that has made such a compelling case to be the man of the match coming on with a third of the game to go? Oh, listen, we go back. Um, you know, I'm probably, am I the youngest in the, in the, in the room? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just love the youngest. <laughs> I go back to David Fairclough. I, listen, I'm a huge fan of football. Many years ago, I still got all VHS recordings um, and a record of, of the old videos. I remember Liverpool beating Nottingham Forest 5-0 on one um, Anfield night. Well, I, they made a video of the game. They were that good. But going back further, David Fairclough, um, was it Oli Gunnar Solskjaer as well at um, mm. Nottingham Forest for Manchester United? They scored four. Um, so, again, we've had some amazing substitute appearances, but I've got to say that performance, the goal, mm. then the pass. The pass was, and the finish from Bob, 
the footwork was was quite amazing. There's a big debate. Is Kevin De Bruyne the best midfield player ever to play in the in the Premier League? And how do you reg- how do you regulate that? We'll, we'll answer it for ourselves because I was thinking Gerard, Modric, Lampard, Yaya Torre, um, who else is there? Uh, the are all sorts. David Silva, uh, Vieira. The, Patrick Vieira. Roy Keane is a different type of player, so I haven't included him with the others. He's more defensive. Uh, Paul Scholes. I mean, where, who would it be for you? Oh, well, <laughs> I'll be biased because, you know, I played against... Scolzi, Patrick Vieira, you know, um, so many good players, you know, in, in the generation I played against, Frank Lampard. But as a, it's between, it's got to be in terms of the type of player, Scolzi or Kevin De Bruyne. You know, people say about David Beckham, different players. Um, although Kevin De Bruyne's ball on the right-hand side when he whips it in behind defences, David Beckham could do that also. I think if you look at Scolzi or Kevin De Bruyne, the type of players, that... When you've got Iniesta and Zidane talking about schools in the way that they did, um, I'd have to just edge it for schoolsy. Um, and then there's a big debate, different generations. I personally, and this is another debate, people say the Premier League is, is harder now. Is it? Can somebody tell me why it is? People say that people are, are, are stronger, are fitter, um, the amount of games. Well, if you run 14K at high intensity, so if you do 14K in a game and your high intensity runs a 60, 70, 80 sprints and your speed's the same, how is it harder now? You look at the teams when I played, I think from from first to bottom, the standard was better. Ooh. And listen, you've covered football, you know, as long as for, for, for ages, all three of you, and you'll have an opinion on that. But if you look at teams when I played in the Premier League from at the bottom, you look at Sheffield Wednesday's quality, look at Aston Villa when, you know, they're doing great now. Look at Bradford, look at the teams. You look at Liverpool's team when I played. Look at Gerard Alonso. Look at Manchester United's midfield. Giggs, Scholes, Keane, Beckham. Look at Arsenal's crossy midfield. Overmars, um, Petit, Vieira. And um, on the right, Perez. So it's a look at Chelsea. Look at Chelsea's midfield: McAleary, Lampard, Robin, Joel Cole, Drogba up top. So it's a great debate, and I'm 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 probably boring you now, as I'm boring <laughs> myself. But I, but but I would say. I would say Scalzi. Well, let me let me let me put it this way: they're all lining up against the wall. Prime Scalzi or Prime De Bruyne? Which one are you picking for your team? Scalzi. You three disagree. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think Scal- you, you you can pick Scalzi because he's just arriving there in the box and he's going to get you that goal from midfield. And I think that what De Bruyne offers is that killer pass, the final pass when you are facing a team and a defence which is completely locked locked down and they're basically defending for their lives, i.e. Newcastle, then you've got the magic of De Bruyne. They are contrasting different players. But I, ju- I just think that De Bruyne has that, that vision which makes, which makes a pass just... I mean, that was incredible, that pass, wasn't it? And he all, I tell you what, the equaliser, he almost passed that ball into the net, didn't he? It was almost the, the perfect pass to score with a pass for the equaliser. You want to change your mind, Seth? He's a genius. You want to change your mind, Seth? No, no. 
No, listen, what are you, Darren? I think I've got to go De Bruyne. I just think he's beautiful to watch. I know about Scholes' goal-scoring potential, the runs from midfield, the timing to arrive late, but I love watching beautiful footballers. And I think when you watch De Bruyne, you can see him stand out like a giant amongst men. He can pick a pass, he can hit it slow, he can hit it fast, he can find that space through the other needle to find the player that he needs to score. So can scores it. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I think, and, and you're right in terms of sometimes. No, scores it. Tell me you don't know. Scores it. Well, well the, the thing is, sometimes with these debates, we do suffer from recency bias. But Scholes obviously does stand the test of time. Absolutely. I just think as far as uh, De Bruyne reminds me of Berbatov, he's almost balletic in the way that he plays. And, and I just love enjoying watching him. Danny? Yeah, yeah and it's not, I'm, I'm in the De Bruyne camp. Again, it might be recency. But also, I, th- I think one of the things that De Bruyne's got, which always amazes me, is he doesn't look particularly quick. But he has that ability to sort of slow the game down and then go past the player. He go past the player on the outside, get the ball in from, from wide. You know, and I think that's just an element to his game that maybe Scholes didn't have. De Bruyne can beat a man, can go past a man, and can. He's got everything, apart from the fact that he's never scored a header. Well, look, I'll tell you what, Sav, I know you've got to go, so we're going to leave you on tenterhooks there. Maybe when you come back, you can tell us if you've changed your mind. 